The boys are back at it again, and all we can say is, welcome back to the show. All that and more next on Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. I apologize for absolutely nothing. Like, people do not understand how much this rivalry means. I'm talking complete devastation in Ann Arbor. And the Buckeyes are in the CFP. Can't say Hongman's not sitting on the air. What's up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome back to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. I'm usually the positive person, but that was hot garbage. Oh my god. I'm probably going to lose my freaking job. Dude, are you serious? That's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. I'm sorry, dude. This is not Michigan State. This is Ohio State. We either win or die trying. Go Bucks. OH. What's up, Buckeye Nation? And welcome to the new and improved Dotting Eye with Davis and Chad. Uh, we got a ton of stuff to tell you today. Um, you know, long time no see for everybody out there that's listening. And uh, we're just glad to be back on, man. How are you? Mr. Davis. It is good to be back. Um, man, we kind of left last season kind of like a cliffhanger. We didn't get a chance to finish things up, and we're going to try to at least make an attempt to explain ourselves, to maybe wrap a little bit up, but we're majorly looking – majorly? Majority? Majorly? How do you Knock say that? Knock that rust off, buddy. Knock that rust off. Well, I don't even know what that word is. I'm, did I make up a word? Is that even a word? Majorly? Uh, well, there is Ma- a version majorly? of majorly that's majorly. Okay, sure. Anyways, <laughs> we're looking to the future, okay? And that's kind of be that's going to be kind of like I guess what we're going to talk about a lot this episode. Um not just with us in this podcast, but also with of course our beloved Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. Um so just a little background about kind of what you know what happened, what we've had going on is that uh you know, we've always tried to be honest with you guys and always tried to keep it you know, a hundred percent honest all the time. And to be honest with you, uh, Davis and I had a bit of a creative difference, um, towards the end of last season. Um, it kind of, uh, put a little bit of rift in our friendship for a minute and, uh, you know, it took some, some real sorting out till we finally, you know, came to some common ground, um, you know, over, over how this podcast was going to go and how it should go. And to be honest, uh, it sucked when it happened because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Davis is my best friend and that'll never change. But um, I think it needed to happen. Um, it, it needed to happen because we kind of had two different ideas of where this was going. And now that I think that we're on the same page and and have a, a good end game for this thing, um, I think it's just going to be so much better. And from then, we decided to take a bunch of steps. Davis What's your opinion on that? And also, dude, tell them what, tell them what steps that we're taking. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the riff and the friendship wasn't really a riff. I mean, you know, we, we've we been friends for too long. We've gone through too much crap for too to long. know that. Yes, yeah, way too long. I've been trying to find ways to end it forever, but, you know. Well, it's, it, we did. A, it's, we took a shot at it. There but all, yeah, but, <laughs> but you, I still got all my CDs in your car. Like, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> Like it's a, I, I'll stay with you for at least a couple more years until I get my CDs back. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I hate to say riff, but definitely disagreement, different pages. And when you have two guys that have busy schedules, young kids, and we live as far apart as we do, and the communication isn't always as what it needs to be. Sometimes it's just it's hard to get on the same page. So um, we definitely, I mean, we watched 
the Ohio State Georgia game at my house, and it was a oh, brutal loss there at the end. And we had plans of doing an episode, you know, to kind of, I guess, wrap everything up and then talk about the season. And we just couldn't get on the same page. Our schedules kept conflicting, sick kids, sick us, uh, whatever. And then it finally got to the point where, you know, everything came to a head. And I said, you know, well, how serious are we about this? Because, you know, the original reason, if you remember, that we created this is just to give us an excuse to talk about Ohio State. Like, we didn't do it for any sort of viewership or anything like that. It That kind of ended up coming along. And at the end of the day, uh, after the last three years, and we kind of looked at our numbers and where we've come since the beginning – we're different than where we started and our goals are different. And I think I kind of grew with it. And I think that you might've hit like a plateau and I don't know if you were willing to kind of go over the edge to continue to let us progress and advance to wherever this could go. And I just think it took a little coaxing for me and just, you know, a chance to have a conversation for us to finally get on the same page. So Realistically, that's kind of what happened. I mean, anyone that's got a best friend, I mean, I'm sure that you guys have gotten into it at some point, you know. Uh, we do the same, but at the end of the day, here we are again, um, getting ready to start our fourth season and actually our first ever off season. Yeah, and and here's the best part about it. Once we did get on the right page, the fireworks started. We started talking about stuff for the future. We started getting ideas, and we decided at that point that we wanted this thing to be as big as it'll be, as big as it could be, um, you know, and we don't know what that entails. You know, could it be neither does what our we wives. are now? Huh? <laughs> Sorry. I said neither does our wives. <laughs> I could, dude, oh, T-ball just served it right up to me. Just just right in the air. You yeah, don't even have to put that in there. I don't even care. I just want Well, the worst to. part is, is that I struck out in T-ball, too. So if that's any indication <laughs> of how it went. But, uh, and they didn't even call balls and strikes back. They didn't even call balls and strikes, and they still <laughs> called me out. The, there was just, listen, they're like, son, it's getting dark. You can't take 15 hacks. Like, you yeah. gotta just go sit back on the bench. <laughs> so, you know, based on some things that have happened to some friends of ours that are, that are in the same business as we are and things like that, we decided that if we were going to move forward with this thing, we wanted to be legit. And what I mean by legit is, we wanted to own everything. We wanted to own our name. We wanted to own our logo, our intro song, uh, all the audio, everything. So at that point, once we'd been off for a little bit, we decided, hey, we're already out of here. You know, we've, we've already taken a hiatus. Let's get all of our affairs in order and come back with everything legit. And that's what we've been working on. So, you know, as much as, you know, you haven't heard from us, we have been working on this podcast behind the scenes quite a bit. Um, and you know, I'm proud to say that, uh, you know, we're just waiting on a little bit of paperwork to come back and be, we'll be legit on everything. We're working on a website. Uh, we got a new intro, which you just heard, um, coming into this and dude, you know, new artwork by our buddy, John Converse. Um, you know, everything's going to be ours and it's going to be legit. So we're super excited to move forward and see just how, you know, how far this thing can take us. Absolutely, man. Because, I mean, you know, we initially got into this, like I had mentioned, just for us to talk about Ohio State football. Um, and I guess the more that I kind of see other people growing and opportunities that other people are getting, you know, I can't help but think maybe some of those possibilities could happen for us. Uh, maybe we could have a chance to talk to someone pretty cool. 
um, to maybe start working on doing more live stuff uh, or not live, but, you know, video stuff, maybe down the road live. I mean, uh, we, we get a lot of inspiration from the OHIO podcast because they are some of our friends. We've collaborated with them before. We've had Eric Boggs from uh, from their podcast on our show and uh, they're kind of they're, they're doing a great job over there and um they're kind of an inspiration of giving us more motivation to continue to grow as well so i wanted to give them a quick shout out and they've also helped give us tips and things and you may even see, uh, see a lot more uh, collaboration and things that we're going to work with them in the future so true and, and just, don't forget uh, don't forget aaron brown who is is kind of the reason this whole thing started to be totally honest um, the reason we were able to start this and have any direction in how to do it, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, I know, you know, I'm not sure this situation going on with, uh, with OHO and, and Aaron right now, but I do owe, we do owe a lot of this podcast and what it's become to Aaron Brown as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate it, Aaron. So we're going to go ahead and like I said, we're moving forward. So just before we do that, I do want to get a chance, maybe just for a couple minutes, to wrap up the end of the year because we didn't get the opportunity to. We're not going to sit here and analyze the game and talk about all these details and everything, but I just want your brief overall reaction once we lost on that last second missed field goal against Georgia and then obviously went on to see Georgia absolutely curb stomp TCU in the national championship game. Um. You know, I've I've talked about it for years. You know, if, if you take it back to before the game, um, I've always been about the matchups, dude. And everybody's like, who cares? You're in the CFP. The matchups matter. And the timing of the matchups matter. Yes, we would have had to face Georgia at any point in time. But, dude, I would have loved to get a piece of them. You never know what could happen, dude. Somebody else could knock them out. Uh, maybe they're beat up when we play them. I would have loved to have that game second. I just want to know once what it would be like to get in the CFP as a top seed instead of just eking our way in, which we typically seem to do. Um, but if you're talking about the game itself, man, I was heartbroken. But also, dude, I'm extremely proud. C.J. Stroud played his ass off in that game. He gave us everything. Will, will he go down in history as one of my favorite players? Absolutely not. Can't stand the dude. <laughs> but he played his ass off in that game, and I will never take that from him, man. I felt like everybody left it out on the field. And anybody that blames the field goal kicker or anything like that for, for that, that's you're out of your mind. You're out of your stinking mind, dude. Can you imagine being that kid under that, you know, under that amount of pressure, dude, in that situation and, and you know, asking to do something you don't normally do for the national championship with all these people watching and, you know, on, on national television? I just can't imagine, dude. At the end of the day, I was proud of my Buckeyes. I thought we played our hearts out and we just lost. And I'm cool with that any day of the week, dude. I'm cool with that way more than I'm cool with us getting our ass kicked by Michigan. Okay? That I'm not cool with. Anyways, Davis, how did you feel about it? Because to be honest, dude, we, we haven't really discussed this much. We we kind of left with our tail between our legs when, when I left your house after that game because it was so somber, dude. It was like, you know, leaving a funeral. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really know even what your take really was on it. Yeah, it was pretty immediate. It was hard to, I guess, address it at that point. Plus, you know, it was New Year's Eve and our wives and we were all hanging out. And we didn't want to, like, ruin the rest of the evening. So we tried to find a way to compartmentalize that and just enjoy the rest of our night. But uh, before I do that, you do, you do bring up an interesting point that, uh, I mean, I guess I, I was aware of, but I never really paid much attention, is that not a single time in 
in all the times that we, that we've been in the uh, in the playoffs, have we had an easy matchup? That cake matchup, you know, where Alabama blows out an Oklahoma or a Notre Dame, or someone gets a Washington or a Michigan State, you know? Dude, have uh, we even been a one or two seed? We haven't. Uh, the highest we've ever been is a two, and that was in 2019 when we played number three Clemson. That's the highest we've come in. Most of the time we come in as a three and a four. And you're right. That does mean that the semifinal is usually a, an extremely tough matchup. Um, with Georgia, if you actually go back and want to listen to our most recent episode before this one where we actually previewed the game, we were pretty spot on with a lot of the things that we were talking about. I know a lot of it we kept saying we were hopeful, but really I feel like we knew that our team had that capability. Um, too many people were still upset with uh, the Michigan result, and rightfully so, but it was still so immediate that they just assumed that's the team we had. And I tried to keep telling people, listen, you know, that game is different. And we did not play well in that game, to say the least. But I knew what kind of team we had and that we could definitely be competitive. Were we a perfect team last year? Absolutely not. Did the defense still have trouble? Absolutely. Would the offense sputter at times? Absolutely. But we were extremely banged up on both sides of the ball. And to take Georgia all the way to the wire and really should have won that game with basically our four-string running back and several other players hurt. I mean, you know, Marvin Harrison gets knocked out of the game. Cade Stover has to go to the hospital. I mean, we were depleted, and we took Georgia to the frickin' wire. So as much as it hurt to not win that, and essentially lose the national championship also, it made me feel like we definitely belong, that we are still among the top tier. And I think that was in a very important game for Ryan Day and for the Buckeyes in a national landscape and for recruits to have that type of result happen, for it to look you know, like we belong with a team that just blew out you know, TCU by 60-some points in the national title game. So I'm taking you know, obviously in hindsight, a lot more positive from that result than any kind of negative that I could. I mean, obviously I'm still hurt. It's not the result we wanted, but I think that game is going to help continue to set us up for years to come. But let me ask you this, because I, I haven't asked you this, because a lot of people look at me sideways when I say this, but that game actually made me even more pissed off at CJ Stroud than I was before. Because where the hell was that all season? Exactly. Because if you know you can do it and you knew it had to be done in that situation, why didn't you know it had to be done any other time? You know, like it wasn't just a thing where you woke up like, you know, maybe he was laying in bed and like he like rose like Jesus, like didn't even buckle his knees, just like put his arms out and raised right out of the bed. And was like, I must <laughs> like run Bruce thy Almighty, ball. like yeah. Bruce Almighty. And just <laughs> I must run at thy football. Like, no, he didn't do it. You know. I just I have my own opinions on it, but I was interested to hear, you know, how, what what is the legacy of CJ Stroud for you? I mean, after that game, does that change anything for you or, or is your opinion about the same? It, it doesn't change my opinion of him. I'm I'm proud of him and I'm glad that he performed the way he did. And it was a very heroic effort, but he still had has not won a Big Ten title. He still has not beaten Michigan and he still has not won a college football playoff game. In your so, opinion, was he holding back? Was he holding back for this season? Uh, I think, honestly, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I was ever fully on board 
with that actually being the case, but I do feel like he was holding back. Uh, whether or not – I know we had talked before about Ryan Day really trying to convince him to not run, but, dude, if you're a gamer like Justin Fields and like Caleb Williams and some of these other quarterbacks that will just put their life on the line to try to get a win, it felt like C.J. Stroud was protecting himself a lot of his career. And he finally let it all out on the line in that one game – because he knew probably at that point his career was going to be over after the the playoffs this year. Oh yeah. That he showed us his full capability. And he did it just in time to help his draft stock cuz I mean at this current time I think he's still projected to be number 1. So Dude, I I mean I think I'm saying this and I mean it. If if CJ Stroud even gives 80% of the effort that he gave in that Georgia game Throughout the entire tenure of his career, um, you know, we're talking about him as one of the top couple quarterbacks in the history of Ohio State football. Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with you, but I also think another interesting point that we haven't really addressed is he unfortunately has played on two teams that the defense has had problems. Uh, If you want to go back and look at Dwayne Haskins, I mean – arguably one of the best quarterbacks we've ever had at all kinds of passing touchdown records, um, yardage passing, uh, you know, he, he was a hell of a quarterback for us, but we didn't even go to the playoff that year because well, okay. our defense was garbage being the greatest quarterback. Right. But what I'm saying though, is that, uh, Dwayne Haskins played on an Ohio state team that had a very deficient defense and, to be perfectly fair, the last two years has been a deficient defense. I know this year was better and we saw more improvement, but we still, when we played the tougher opponents at the end of the year, we got exposed. And ultimately, it was the defense that cost us both the Michigan game and especially the Georgia game. So how much of Stroud's legacy would be changed if he was – playing on a team like 2019 with Justin Fields, where our defense was the top five defense in the country. See, for because me, none, because the two aren't related to me. They are related because, guess what? He would therefore have probably won the Michigan game but winning and probably beaten Georgia with a better defense. But what I'm saying is we're holding C.J. Stroud's career uh, basically because he hasn't beaten Michigan, hasn't won a Big Ten title, and hasn't no, won a playoff game. No, that has game. nothing to do with it for me. It That's does have to something to do with Not it. Not for me. That's what I'm telling you. I think Justin Fields is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. What does that have to do with how many games he won? Zero, because he's not winning in Chicago. He's well, not winning whole, at all. That's a whole different story. They're not surrounding my him with any is, sort dude, of talent. My point is, dude, when I look back at, at quarterbacks right now, when I run them back in my head, I don't even think about their record. I don't think about whether they won a national championship. Troy Smith won a national championship. Do I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the last 20 years? No. That's my point, dude. It has it, it has nothing to do with that for me. So what are, you ba- what are you basing play. it on? Just your feel like when you observe him, like the eye test kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. How was he? How was he as a leader? Um, could he throw the ball well? Did he run the ball well? Was he a gamer? You know, and sometimes that ends with us losing. You know what I mean? Like it, it is what it is. To me, I still hold Justin Fields in higher regard than he is right now. I do. I would agree. I would agree with you. I would. And I think I think what you're trying to get at is the intangibles. Yeah, absolutely. And the intangibles that you can't see in a stat sheet, but you can observe with the human eye about him getting out there and maybe grabbing someone's face mask and telling them to run the right route or, you know, getting emotional and, 
you know, it just he seems so calculated and so precise with everything he's trying to do that it almost sometimes feels robotic and unemotional. And, and un- well, I guess selfish if if that's the way you want to look at it, you know, maybe in fear of injury or protecting himself. But I just felt like he was always don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with CJ doing what he did because he's trying to protect himself. He's trying to get that paycheck. I get it, man. That's your whole like that's your whole future. And I'm not going to hold that against him. I'm just saying I could see it. And I told you that. And we if you listen to any of the episodes on this podcast and go back a couple, you'll hear it. I said it all season long. He feels like he's out for himself. He wants to win, but at on his own terms. Right. And that's just how I felt about him, dude. Like it 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 really is. And I'm not saying that. You know, I don't wish the young man all the success because I will, and I'll be watching him in the NFL. I just don't have the same gusto for him that I've had for other quarterbacks that we've had because of that. I don't feel like he was out there for his teammates, um, you know, most of the time. I feel like he was out there um, to put up what he had to put up in order to get drafted, but also keep himself extremely safe. And I just feel like I, I just can't get behind that attitude. That's just not how I am. So. You know, that, that'll that always bite me a little bit, a little, you know, kind of little spur in the heel there on that. I got you. Let me ask you this. So, uh, obviously, for those of you who don't know, Chad's a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, has been ever since, gosh, elementary school, as far as I can remember back. I mean, you had yep. the big old starter jacket. Me, I had the Jaguar starter jacket, probably because that's the only one we could find at Salvation Army because my parents would never spend Yeah, dude, I'll never forget it because Lizzie Matunas. Spilled chocolate milk on my starter jacket, and that yeah. pissed me off. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Lizzie Matunas. That almost sounds like a made-up name at this point. But it's true, and you know it. It is. No, I'm I'm aware. Yeah. So, but what I'm going to ask you, the reason I bring that up is I don't actually have an NFL team. I never have. I, I've never been really tied to a specific NFL team that I root for. Now, I watch the NFL, but I find myself as I've gotten older, especially since we've been doing this podcast, that I really follow teams of some of the Buckeyes that I really like. So I'm going to ask you, do you kind of catch yourself doing the same? And if that's the case, do you find your, like, you know, do you really follow the Bears? Do you, you know, hope Justin Fields does well in Chicago and wherever Stroud ends up, possibly Carolina, are you going to be supporting that team as well? Or are you just strictly, it's my Buffalo Bills and I'll kind of, pseudo support my Buckeyes in other teams absolutely not and you know um exactly what I'm getting ready to say New uh, Orleans for years there yeah for years um a lot of my buddies that I watch NFL with were kind of giving me crap because they're like you can't have two teams you can't have two teams but at the time if you remember you know we had a kid that we Davis and I went to high school with um named Lance Moore yeah, he was a year ahead of us yeah and he you know, went to Toledo and then went to the NFL and made the Cleveland Browns roster. And anyway, he ended up on the Saints. Along with that was like 40 Buckeyes. Yeah, that so seems it to be really between hard. Cincinnati and New Orleans. They tend yeah. to like picking up a lot of Buckeyes on the team. So it was really hard. You got a kid from your hometown playing on the playing on the team. And then half of the guys that you grew up watching on the Buckeyes to play for the Saints. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the Saints and I'm rooting for the Bills the entire time. Dude, absolutely. I do root for for Justin Fields. 
like unless he's playing the Bills, and I hope he gets his head tore off. But other than that, <laughs> I'm really yeah. right. No, I mean that's that's fair, dude. Um, you know, for a while there, and I'm not gonna say I was a Cowboys fan, but I wanted them to do well because I loved Ezekiel Elliott. Now he's kind of fallen off the radar and not really been the player he was the first couple of years, and then I was really following the Bears lately. Um, obviously, you know, I followed the the Saints along with you, not just for Lance Moore, but, you know, they got a Michael Thomas and uh, Marshawn Lattimore and a couple and other Teddy. guys on the team. Yeah, Teddy Ginn was on there for a while. Teddy's been a little bit everywhere. Teddy was, I think, with Carolina there for a while. But, you know, that that's kind of the way I take the NFL. I'm, I don't know if a lot of the listeners actually treat the NFL the same way, but uh, it will be very interesting to see um, – where Stroud ends up and actually, you know, how quickly they're going to try to get him to start. Because I think some of the more successful quarterbacks, uh, especially in recent memory, are the ones that get a chance to sit for a couple years and are not immediately thrust into the spotlight. I mean, if you think of Patrick Mahomes, he sat for a while behind Alex Smith, right? Until he finally got his chance. I mean, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. And that's what um, makes me think, dude. I look at Jordan Love uh, coming up in Green Bay, and I think, is that going to be the same thing? Like, Because they've done be. really well at doing that. It absolutely could be. I mean, I don't know the answer, but I just feel like, you know, it seems that, like anyone would tell you, from high school to college is a huge jump, okay? There's a reason why not many true freshmen start at Ohio State. Very few, and a lot of them, after their redshirt, probably won't even start till their redshirt sophomore year, which would be actually the third year in the program. So there's an even bigger jump from college to the NFL. And trying to come out and be the play caller of a bunch of grown-ass men that have probably been professionals for, you know, several years and try to earn the respect of the team and learn how to run the offense and learn how to – basically, you're you're playing against all-stars is what you're doing. It's like playing against Alabama every single week, but better than Alabama, you know? That's that's tough, man. And just kind of throwing a quarterback, you know, to the wolves there the first year, you know, I don't want to see – uh, what happened to Justin Fields his first year happened to CJ Stroud or to really to any quarterback. Cause it's almost unfair getting thrust right in there. Um, year one and almost expected to perform. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's so, what we're doing today because you know, you have to remember dude, the, you know, the teams up there getting the first five draft picks are bad football teams. That's who's getting those picks. So you're going to go somewhere where you need where they need help. You know what I mean? And if they're taking a quarterback that high in the first round somewhere, um, you can bet that there's other problems there. You know, for the as long as I can remember, man, Chicago has been the place where quarterbacks go to die. Mm -hmm. That is the best place, the best way to put it, man. And they're finally doing Mitch Trubisky. Oh, my gosh, dude. The list goes on. Um. Gosh, who was there forever? Who actually lasted there for a while? Oh, gosh, I cannot think uh, of his name off the top of my head. It is bothering me. He's married to, or he was married to, that one girl that was like on Laguna Beach or something like that. Huh. Actually, Cavalieri or something like that. I can't. I don't remember right now. Anyway, um, the point is though. I said to myself, Jay Cutler, Jay, Jay Cutler. Cutler. Yeah. Jay he Cutler. was there for a while. He's about the only one I can think of that any time recent had some success there for a prolonged period of time. 
Yeah, and I but I said to myself when they drafted Justin, I go, man, if he can survive a couple of years, hopefully they put some pieces around him, make it a little bit more easy on him. And it looks like that's what they're doing, so that's good for him. But I think Justin Fields um, is going to be somebody, man, in the NFL, I do. Uh, yeah, he's he's going to be special when they finally get a team built around him. Uh, they finally get him an offensive line that can protect him. He doesn't have to take off all the time. Uh, once they finally give him some skill players, um, I, I think the Bears are going to be a tough team to deal with for years to come once they finally build that team. But we don't want to spend too much time in the NFL. But while we're talking about quarterback, uh, can't even talk quarterbacks, let's go ahead and transition into our current quarterback ordeal that we haven't had a chance to address oh, yet. Oh, it's an ordeal, is it? Well, to some people it is. <laughs> some people think it's already Kyle McCord's job to lose. And I can understand why people would think that way, but there's a lot of people that are also on uh, the Devin Brown bandwagon and think that you know his mobility and possibly being a more Bryce Young-esque type of quarterback uh, could potentially be you know something that they feel like Ohio State hasn't had in a while. So... If tell me, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm they don't really open up a lot about anything specific. And I obviously they keep saying it's an ongoing battle, blah, blah, blah. But you know, we're not going to try to sit here and tell you what we think is going to happen. But I want to know what you feel should happen and tell me your reason why, in regards to do you think it should be Kyle McCord as our uh, play caller next year or Devin Brown? What do you mean? What what should happen or what I think is going to happen? Number two different things. Well, not what you think should happen, not what you think. What should what, happen is what what do you think is gonna be best for Ohio State next year? Um if I'm Ryan Day, that's the way I'm gonna give that's the way I'm gonna put this to you. If I'm Ryan Day right now, which you aren't, but go ahead. Which I'm not because I can't grow a beard. Yeah, and, you definitely can't. And my cheeks were never that rosy ever. Um but I don't know. You are part Irish. It's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's true. But uh, if I was him right now, I don't think, you know, I've learned in college football, no matter what happens, experience rules all. Um, and I'm just sorry, but as much as I really don't think McCord is the guy, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, I don't know. Um, I feel like he has to start the season. He's the most familiar uh, with the playbook. He's been in the system long enough. Uh, has a deeper understanding um, than Devin does. And I think that whether or not, it doesn't matter if raw talent-wise Devin is better than him. He doesn't know the system like McCord does. So I think even if he's better, we're looking at a situation like we did with Terrell Pryor um, where maybe uh, you know McCord uh, gets his chance to start for a couple of games, and if it's not working out, then we bring in Devin Brown. Uh, if he truly is the answer, is a better quarterback. But I think... Starting off skill set and experience wise and leadership wise, I think McCord's got to start. So before I give you my take on that, I'm curious, why are you not big on Kyle McCord? Is it a feeling? Is it a feeling or like, why are you not so high on Kyle McCord? Like you you sound like you have your doubts. I, I feel like we already saw it (laughs) and I wasn't uh, too impressed. How exactly? 
I mean, he he only really truly played quarterback one game in his career at Ohio State so far, and that was his freshman year when he filled in for C.J. Stroud against what Akron, and don't, he had uh, a decent game, and that was as a true freshman. Yeah, well, like, here at Ohio State, we're not looking for decent. We're looking well, for. I understand that, but and this also isn't you know a year and a half ago when he started that. I mean, he's had more experience. He's been training more. He's. Like, Dude, I love to be proven wrong, and I hope that I am. I mean, I just he's still don't the third. It. He's like the third or fourth highest rated recruit that Ohio State's ever had in the history of the program. I, you know, people what? don't even at, realize that. At some point, so was Johnny Manziel. What are you saying? Johnny Manziel was a hell of a college quarterback. He just wasn't a pro quarterback. That's, That's what I'm fine. Saying, We're not dude. talking about the damn pros. Well, I'm just I'm I'm, pu- I'm putting out a point, dude. Basically, that little star next to your name means jack to me. It means zero. I, we've seen guys, and you know it, that have been two and three stars come in and be legends. And we've seen guys that are supposed to be the greatest thing under the sun be dog crap. So I that that number means nothing to me. What have you done? And the answer is nothing. Neither one of them have. But so when I'm looking at two turds floating in a punch bowl, I'd rather have the one that's been there the longest. So let me okay, get this right. You're already comparing our five-star and our four-star quarterbacks. At Ohio State is two turds in a punch bowl. <laughs> Am I getting this right? <laughs> Is that where we've gone? I was trying to find a euphemism <laughs> here. Apparently, I took it wrong. You know, I took it to the wrong place. But yes. Hey, now hear this. Chad predicts we're going to be a five-loss team next year because we have two turds and a punch bowl. They're going to be <laughs> playing quarterback at Ohio State next year. <laughs> Dude, I just feel like. When so much is unknown, I mean, we've had years where we know the that's quarterback. That's it, dude. That be. that that's it, man. You're just nervous because it's unknown. Just it's like unknown. we were nervous when we lost Justin Fields. So and when we had unknown, CJ Stroud come in. So when it's unknown, don't you feel like it has to? You have to go with the experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying in general right now, I'm not as nervous as you sound like you are, and maybe some other people are. Obviously, there's going to be some turnover, and I understand. That, you know, C.J. Stroud wasn't full on C.J. Stroud when he first started games. It took him a little bit to kind of get in the swing. But you could see the flashes there. And Kyle McCord is just going to be, he's going to be different in his own way. But I have to trust Ryan Day because under Ryan Day, we have not had a bad quarterback. Uh, Ryan Day was with us, I believe, starting with um, Dwayne Haskins, if I'm not mistaken. But hold on. You say we don't have, we didn't have a bad quarterback. But which quarterback do you think he thinks is the next one? Who, Ryan Day? Yes. I'm saying. You're I, saying he, that like, well, Ryan Day well, didn't bring anybody else in because he thinks what he has is good enough. Well, who's he referring to? Who's the guy? That's what I'm asking. Well, you. no, what, opinion, I was saying, what I was saying, though, is Ryan Day in his career at Ohio State has produced good quarterbacks. So what I was trying to say is you have to have faith that who he's going to put on the field is going to be a quality quarterback. Now, yes, is it going to be, is it going to be an initial, is. is it going to be an initial step back from what we finished with last year? It naturally has to be because this is someone that's being thrust into the limelight that has not, you know, been the number one guy. It's true because CJ didn't take steps back, but he also didn't take many steps forward when he needed to. Did you mean that literally or figuratively? You know exactly what I meant. I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you start two years as an Ohio State quarterback and not have a single rushing touchdown? I don't know, but I here's the thing. It's if impressive. I get a chance to exploit that, I'm always going to. You know I am. 
that's gonna be that's gonna be an ongoing so joke for now years you can stop skipping over my question and answer it. Who's Ask gonna be the starting quarterback? I got, I got off track. Who is uh, the starting quarterback? It's Kyle McCord. It's Kyle McCord Why? and um one because I think that he is going to be the more polished quarterback because Ryan Day likes a more passing quarterback. So is then he does turd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is it, are we going to stick with this turd thing, or are we going to move forward? <laughs> now I can't stop thinking about Paul's turd. I just lost. That's track. it, dude. I mean, God bless, dude. All right, I'm not. I'm not, let, I'm, not let, I'm not letting you bring me down. I'm not letting you do it. So, <laughs> shut your mouth. Kyle McCord should get the job. And another thing. No, I'm just kidding. God Go bless it. <laughs> let me finish my <laughs> thought. Kyle McCord deserves the spot because. I think that he obviously will have more experience. He's already started a game for Ohio State. He's had in-game experience. Um, I think that he has a good relationship with Marvin Harrison Jr. because people forget that they both went to the same high school together. Uh, And the other thing, too, that I know shouldn't be part of the decision, but you'd be stupid not to think of it, is you almost kind of have to start him or else you might completely tear apart the quarterback room. Because if he doesn't start, I don't know, I couldn't say this definitively, but I would fear Kyle McCord would transfer. And if that's the case, then we are definitely looking at Devin Brown with no one else behind him. I mean, the Kineholtz kid from Montana, I don't even think is on campus yet. No, so, he's not. So what are we looking at then if we start, I mean, if it is 1A, 1B. Like, they're pretty close. I mean, one might be a little bit better one thing than the other. I think if it is completely pretty close, you have to go with Kyle McCord just to protect your room. But if it is clear as day, no pun intended, that Devin Brown is the better quarterback, then you take the risk and you do what's best for the team. I get it. So I don't think there is a big enough difference for you to even sit here and say that Devin Brown has to be the guy. So that's why I think and think it should be Kyle McCord. Okay. Um, basically, we agree, but just a slightly different perspective. I mean, it's what it. we expect is going to happen it's still too, the same isn't it? Perspective. You're, like, you're I'll be, both. I'll be perfectly honest. If they come out after spring practice, or they're not going to decide that quick. But I mean, it's say fall camp comes around, all of a sudden they're like Devin Brown starting quarterback. I'll be honest, I'll be surprised. I legitimately will, will be surprised. Everyone will because Ohio State, dude, just like any other college program, is synonymous with, uh, you know, you're going to hear me say it. What am I going to say right now? I don't know. Loyalty. Yeah. That's guys have name a last. Okay. So uh, since you don't believe that, when was the last time? No, I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm going, uh, because it bothers me because I know it's a thing at Ohio State. It is. At least it had been for a while. Forever. It's been a thing. If you sit the bench at Ohio State and you are the guy coming in for mop up duty. As a second string guy, you are going to start the next season unless somebody just comes in and just blows the shoes off of everybody, which has not happened. Generally, when we see the guy coming in for second string for cleanup, he is your starting quarterback the next year. It's just been that way. I'm sorry. And yeah, until, I mean, cor- until quarterback it, wise, yeah, I understand. And until it happens, you know. But you also, me, we didn't get some big time recruit that all of a sudden came on campus. I mean, if we still had Quinn Speaking Ewers, of that, if on. we still had Quinn Ewers on campus, it might be a different story at that point. Because Quinn Ewers would have came in after um, Kyle McCord came in, 
And then I think there would be a legitimate argument that Kyle McCord wouldn't play That's over, possible. over Quinn Ewers. But, you know, you have to think who else is in that quarterback room. And I'm not seeing anyone that had as, any more hype than he did coming out of high school. And then you mix that in with the fact that he's already been with Ohio State now for two full years. He's been in the training program. He's worked with the receivers. He's learned under Ryan Day. He's learned, or, you know, kind of been also helped along the way from Stroud and seeing everything that, you know, it's just all signs point to Kyle McCord. Yep. So hey. I think since we're on the same page with that, what are you reasonably expecting if it is to be Kyle McCord? What are you reasonably expecting our offense to look like next year? Because you got to think we're we're supposed to be super healthy in the running back department. Our wide receiver is going to be crazy good, especially with some oncoming freshmen that we'll talk about. We but we have a big question mark at offensive line, and it worries me. So. If on one end, I want to say that we're not going to be missing a lot of momentum offensively going into next year, but at the same time, we're breaking in not only an important part, but we're also not going to be able to maybe keep them upright like we did as much with CJ Stroud. Dude, to be honest, I think you took the thoughts kind of right out of my head uh, talking about the offensive line because I think that's going to matter so much. We don't really know how mobile Kyle McCord really is. I mean, we've had little tiny taste of him here and there. But to be honest, when he got in and mop-up duty, they didn't really let him do a lot. Um, you know, he didn't pass much, kind of handle the ball off. So really, we don't know, you know, how elusive is he? How, you know, what's his game IQ? You know, things like that. So I think that's going to matter, dude, because uh, if he's not mobile and our offensive line still sucks, then I think we're in for some changes. But as far as the wide receiver room and running back room go, um, the running back room, again, to me, depends on the offensive line. But the, you know, I do kind of worry a little bit because I want Marvin Harrison Jr. to get fed. I want those guys to get fed what they're used to getting fed. And, you know, I just I'm not 100 percent sure that that's going to be like that yet, because at the end of the day, man, like you said, yeah, it's all good and great. You come in and mop up duty. Maybe you show some things in camp. But that's a whole nother world from being, you know, in Happy Valley at night. Um, on national television, you know what I mean? That's a, those are two totally different things. So I, I think it kind of remains to be seen, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about the offensive line. They may not be done with the transfer portal yet. I do know it will open back up sometime later this spring and they may be fishing around. But if you think about it, realistically, all of your big time transfers are already picked up. So if you're going to be finding someone after, you know, all these spring games, then essentially you're probably going to be finding someone that knows they're not going to have a starting spot somewhere else. And what are we going to need them for as a starter at Ohio State? So I don't know any way that we can honestly get better other than they're just going to have to coach the hell out of those kids and they're going to have to grow up quick and be, you know, be ready because, uh, you know, we're definitely not deep in that position at all. And we're already having to move some people around to spots. that are not used to playing. I mean, hell, we got someone that is potentially going to be, I think it's Carson Hensman. He's going to be potentially our new center. And the first time he's ever snapped a ball was like six months ago. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a makeshift offensive line. And it's not really been a part of Ohio state's offense. That's been a problem over the last handful of years. But I think that, you know, I mean, it's great if Kyle McCord is more mobile, but do we really want him having to be mobile almost every snap? You know what I mean? Like, 
I can understand there's some breakdowns here and there. And especially if we're, you know, pretty thin in that position depth wise, if we have any crucial injuries and then we're going to be going with, you know, guys that probably definitely would never be starting and maybe not even part of the two deep rotation, having to step into big roles. Like people do not understand how important that offensive line is. And people don't understand how good our offensive line was the last two years. I mean, CJ Stroud did as bad as he was at scrambling and running. He didn't get sacked that often. If you really think about it, he just didn't want to, too. But what I'm saying, though, is, you know, people don't realize how good our offensive line had been. And I think we're going to be, unfortunately, like it's almost frustrating, man, because I feel like we have all of the players that we need uh, on offense. I mean, barring we don't know how the quarterback's going to turn out. We hope being a four or five star and in the program, they're going to be a quality quarterback. But it's like, you know, we got the receivers, we got the running backs, boom, offensive line. Dude, and that's why I get so upset because people don't understand. They're like, oh, Ben, Ohio State doesn't, you know, rebuild. They reboot, Re- you know what I mean? Reload. And like, yeah, reload. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand how rare it is to sync everything up. Like you and said, yeah, we have defense, too. Then we have a great defense. Like, the last time I can remember everything being synced up was 2019. And that, yeah. that still hurts. That Clemson game still hurts, man, because that's probably one of the best overall teams Ohio State's ever had between 20, dude 2015 2015 that was another one where we just we pissed a great team away Pissed a great team away but now here we are dude like you said we have a green offensive line we have a green quarterback but we have the greatest receivers you know what I mean uh, and a well, really deep running back room and where really we have four or five room. guys that could be starters exactly so it's not syncing up so what happens is you know McCord senior year you know, who's who's the receiver? Because, you know, Harrison's gone the second he can be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's the top five pick in the NFL draft today. I'm not worried about the depth there, but I see where you're going. And then it's like when we finally have everything going great with the offense and the defense, because, I mean, one thing that we haven't mentioned a lot yet is, uh, you know, our defense and the fact that, sure, statistically, we were a better defense last year. We looked like a better defense last year for the majority of the season. But when we got to the tougher matchups in the end of the season, we got exposed multiple times. Yeah. And I would like to sit here and tell you that I have a lot of confidence in the fact that we're going to be even better than we were last year and try to clean these things up. But why do we not teach a cornerback to turn his head around? Like, why are we falling on, you know, simple go routes where it turns instead of it should have been no more than a 20, 30 yard play turns into a 70 yard touchdown. I'm I mean, gonna the whole reason we lose to Georgia. We slip and fall. I mean, I I'm the gonna, defense is pissing me off again. Like, yeah. Why can we not get that figured out? But it's to me though, dude. I I don't know if you agree or not, but I played that position, so I can tell you this: these kids already know that. I'm sorry. I do not blame Jim Knowles for this kind of stuff. This is in-game stuff that these guys are doing by themselves. You got to be kidding me, dude. When you're in, when you're 10 years old in peewee football, you're learning these things. You're learning where to put your hands on the guy. You're learning how to cut off routes on the inside. You're learning how to push guys to the outside or push them to the inside based on things. You're, you know, you're learning all this stuff. So don't tell me the best guys in the country that you recruited are doing that because they haven't been taught how to do it. No, they're doing it because they get in the game and they just have bad habits, dude. That's all there is to it. I don't blame Jim Knowles for that. 
I do blame him for the schemes that we run sometimes, but the fundamentals of the game, dude, have not changed. They have not changed, and they should be there in every play that we have, but they're not. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't know why. Is it because guys get in games and they just kind of get in the moment and, and lose their minds? I don't know, but I cannot, for the life of me, believe that Jim Knowles is not teaching them the fundamentals of playing defensive back, dude. And you're not wrong, but it's still a coaching problem because if you have players that you are in charge of that are going out there in game situations and not doing what you have taught them in practice, then that's a coaching thing that you need to work on. Now, I understand at the end of the day, the players are going to be the players, but if you are not you know, upping your standards and requiring these things to happen and teaching it until it is like, something that you know they fall asleep and wake up thinking about like then that's a coaching mistake in my opinion it is but to me that kind of situation like you're talking about specifically turn your head around from the ball is a complete judgment call you're looking for body language from a guy that you're covering because you know what if you make the wrong call and turn around now you're definitely burnt if you turn your head at the wrong time and the ball's not coming and imagine that guy taking another move on you because your back has turned and now he's got two or three steps on you, you're burnt. You're toast. So that's a judgment call. You're looking for body language. You're looking for hips. You're looking for all those things that tell you that the ball's coming before you turn around. And I don't know why we're not doing that. But that is a judgment call in the moment. And you're not wrong, but I'm going to sit here and tell you that the cornerbacks had zero interceptions last year. Zero. That's why they're on defense, dude. They're not our receivers. Not a... <laughs> That's what they always told me, dude. That's why your ass plays defense. <laughs> right. But it's almost unheard of to go through 13, 14 games in a season and not have a single cornerback get an interception. And it's because it is a constant problem. It's not just even this past year. It's been years. Well, I'm, I, Look, I can forgive here and there in the judgment call, but you can't tell me that their judgment every single time is to never turn their head around. Because I feel like 90% of the time when I'm watching these games, especially the last couple of years, they're not getting their head turned around. I just think it is it is a combination of the scheme that we're in and the combination of experience and playmakers. Dude, I played with some guys that it didn't matter what the hell you call. They had a freaking radar to the ball. Wherever the ball was, they seemed to somehow be there. And I just feel we like we've been players. lacking that. Why are, we, why are we lacking those players? And that's that's a better question, dude. That that is a more viable question well, to me. We got why, some, we, why we, don't we have them? We got some interesting transfers. Um, so we did get a, an offensive lineman from I think like Louisiana Monroe. Um, I think his name is Vic Cutler. Um, he's someone that can help us out on the O line. But we got some two key transfers on defense. One is a cornerback that played a freshman that played at Old Miss last year and looks really good. Um, Igbina, Igbinoson or something like that. I can't remember his last mm-hmm. name. Um, and then Jihad Carter from Syracuse is another one. And from early talks that I've heard, they're both coming in and pushing for starting spots already, which is only going to help push the guys that either think they have the spot or guys that were next in line to have that starting spot to up their game if they want to have some sort of role in this defense. Right. So I am starting to get a little more excited about this defense and for this upcoming season. I mean, I think our linebackers are stacked. I think our defensive line is stacked. Um, 
obviously, uh, I'm sure you've heard that they're going to move Jack Sawyer back to a in-the-ground defensive end and not have him mm-hmm. running around at the jack position, which I thought he was out of place to begin with doing that. So we're going to have, I mean, JT Tumalo on one side, uh, Jack Sawyer on the other side, and we have some young guys that are starting to show up. Uh, Caden Curry, um, there's another name that's missing me right now, but some younger guys that are starting to come up that could get into that defense, the DN rotation. Dude, I feel really good about our defensive line. So if we can just shirt up that backfield, man, or, you know, the defensive backfield and really get these players playing confidently, um, ball hawking. I mean, when's the last time you really remember just fully trusting that defense? Like how many times, Last year, in the last couple of years, like the second, you know, you're watching them play because, you know, when you're on TV, you can't see anything past about the linebackers until someone throws the ball downfield. But it's like as soon as they throw yeah. the ball, what's the, you know, the, your gut sinks down. You're like, gosh, oh, you know what I mean? But I can't. I, you know how I am, dude. I'm super emotional. No, not you. Not me. Not no. you. I go through all this stuff, dude. Um, and I get pissed off, dude, about the defense, especially and and uh, Ryan Day's play calling, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, I just feel like that I've had time to decompress because we haven't been on this podcast in so long um, that I just feel like it's extremely unfair of me to cast any judgment on care or on um, Jim Knowles right at this point. Um, I think now he's made some moves. He's bringing some guys in. He's got, you know, the system in place um, that he wants, and he's going to incorporate these guys into it. And I think if we don't see some significant improvement in the fundamental side of the game this year, then maybe it's fair to make an assessment at that point. But I still don't feel like it's fair to judge him at this point, dude. I mean, do you do you feel like it is? No, I I, I'm. I mean, we're being critical. We're Ohio State fans, and we don't always like the product that's on the field, and we feel like it should be better. We constantly try to compare ourselves to, you know, Alabama, I guess Georgia now, Clemson a few years ago, whoever else may pop up. But, you know, we're comparing ourselves to the best of the best, and we're not quite there. We're close, but we're not there. And I think we're no longer ha- – I mean, we're not even there in the Big Ten anymore, at least the last couple of years. So – I don't hold um, Knowles. Jim Knowles. Account- yeah, I don't hold Jim Knowles. I don't want to say John. I must call him Kerry Combs. You heard me. Yeah, I know, dude. We're all <laughs> over the place. But I don't hold Jim Knowles accountable for any of the issues last year because we did see improvement, and I know he brought in a completely different system. I think he made some mistakes last year. I think he had some players playing out of position that shouldn't have been, and I think his play calling, especially against Michigan, was terrible. Or it, or it just was not smart. Now, I wouldn't say terrible. I just think it was not. It was ill-advised, knowing that we had no business putting some of our, you know, defensive backfield players on islands in those situations. But I do have faith that he is going to help turn this around. Do I feel like at the end of the day, ultimately, we're going to be back to the Ohio State defense of old? Honestly, no. And I don't think we ever will be because I think the game is just different now than it was then. You know, the days that me and you used to enjoy watching, actually watching the defense play and seeing the crazy big hits and, you know, stuff like that. Like, you just don't see that anymore. Like, when's the last time you can even remember, you know, an Ohio State player putting like a massive hit on someone else? 
can't. And think about this, though. It just doesn't happen anymore. And we don't take into account that the game has changed so much. You know, back when we were used to these, uh, you know, these defenses, like back in the Jim Trestle day, um, you know, Big Ten football was pretty much a running game and a pass here and there. Okay, it wasn't like it is today where you got these guys like freaking Patrick Mahomes out there, you know, rolling out and freaking throwing across their body across the field. Dude, that changes stuff. That's so hard to defend. Yeah, you have to get more speed on the field. And then when you don't have these big, tough guys, I mean, talk about the linebackers that had the big old neck roll on the back of their jersey. Heck yeah, man. You know what I mean? And you have players like Orlando Pace and or Andy Katz and Moyer. And yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I watched a documentary where somebody said, and I couldn't believe this, that Orlando Pace was the hardest hitter they've ever seen. And he was what he was an offensive lineman, wasn't he? Yep. They said they said who hits the hardest on the Buckeye team. And I love watching that kind of stuff. And they're like Orlando Pace. And that kind of took me by surprise, but they said he was an absolute monster, man. Yeah, but with it, with, it's just a different game, man. I mean, it there's is. still players that have some fire that I know are capable, but you know, the rules have kind of changed in the sport of football. I mean, we're gonna go down a whole different road if we go here, but you know, just in short, you know, even the rules are there to protect players. So that's why you're kind of seeing maybe the offense being favored more in these games. And it's so hard to have a solid defense. Like that's why it's been crazy what Georgia's done the last couple of years, because you don't really see defenses like that anymore. I mean, defenses yeah, the ones you just do. need to be capable and and then a comparable, and then you have a really solid offense, and that's a national championship-style team. I mean, essentially, it's what we had last year. And that's the deal. Offense rules the day here It does now. Football it today. absolutely does. But you but still have you to have a, a coherent defense. Yeah, but when you get a team like that has a Georgia defense or an Alabama defense from a couple of years ago, they win the national title. That's what happens. And do you think we could get a defense like that this year? No. You no, do not think we have any chance of being that good. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. I mean, I could freaking trip over something and fall into a pot of gold tomorrow. Sure. There's a chance. But do I think it's going to happen? <laughs> God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's a little harsh, don't you think? I mean, well, listen, I we have we have a lot of quality players on defense now that are coming back that were good last year that are spending another year in Jim Knowles defense. We do. But I think Jim Knowles is still trying to navigate the waters of Big Ten football and recruitment and getting the pieces he needs in there to get the job done. I think we're going to see improvement. If you're asking my opinion, I think we're going to see more improvement this year. Do I think we're going to be the silver bullets this year? I, I don't No, I don't. Well, I hope you're wrong, but I, I do know we, too. I don't know. Well, but I know we've, on. one I, more thing before we go. Cause I, I, we got to talk about this. All right. I'm ready. Well, we get on with about, it. <laughs> we need to talk Jesus. about Brian Hartline. Let's talk about Brian Hartline. All right, we'll, fin- we'll, fin- we'll finish up with Brian Hartline because, dude, we have so much stuff we got to catch up on, and we're going to have to spread this out over a bunch of episodes. I mean, gosh, we've been going at it for a while. But, dude, I'm Speaking of spreading it. it out, how do you feel about I'm Brian Hartline? <laughs> what do you think about Brian Hartline taking up these play-calling duties here from Ryan Day? And do, do you feel like that's a mistake? I don't think it's a mistake, but... I, I, I'm not fully excited about it as much as everyone else is. I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not saying that I'm even right and feeling that way. It's just me personally. Uh, the way I'm taking it is we started with Ryan day being a first time head coach and we've seen you feel the same way. 
that there's been issues with Ryan Day being a first-time head coach, uh, and he's been missing on this Michigan rivalry. And you know, given that he's still been yes, and he's still been successful. Don't get me wrong, but he's learning on the fly, which is one of the reasons why he's actually growing now and relieving these play calling duties, which is great. So he's improving, but there's been some speed bumps for him to improve. And, you know, his future is still yet to be written on where, you know, his legacy as an Ohio state coach moving forward. And before you go on though, I do want to say one thing. Well, you know what I'm getting ready to say. I do, but I want to say one thing about Ryan day. And that is the one thing I'll never take from the man is that every criticism that he's ever gotten from Buckeye nation, he he has addressed in Mm -hmm. full in full fold. But anyway, go on. He does. So, if you want to think something similarly with Brian Hartline, this is his first ever OC gig. And to be your first gig ever being it at Ohio State is not something that's really ever happened. I mean, Brian Day is the first ever Ohio State head coach to be a first-time head coach and coach at Ohio State is his first gig. And I'm pretty sure that we have not promoted very many first-time OCs at Ohio State. Normally, we bring people in. So as much as I love Brian Hartline and I think he's important for our program, I do have some hesitation because this is new to him. Now, sure, he's played wide receiver most of his life. He played it not only at Ohio State but in the NFL for several years, and he's been under Coach Day for the last handful of years. So he's had opportunities to learn and grow. But, man, it's time to put your big boy panties on this year, and it's, like, almost all on him. Hold on, dude. I'm going to skip way ahead. I'm going to skip way into the future right here, and I'm going to ask you a question I've been waiting to ask you since you you sent me the topics this morning. Okay. I've thought about it, and I was, like, I was eating my cereal. I was like, Ooh, I'm going to ask him. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you really do that? Like, exactly out loud? Exactly like that. Did your kid so, look at you and was like, what the hell's daddy doing? No, because he does the same thing. But uh, Oh, so that's where you got yeah, yeah. You guys just communicate. We both looked at each other and went, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> did you change his diaper after that? or? Of course I did, dude. Did Come he on. change yours? So, um, no, I keep mine on. But anyway. Um, that's fine. Yeah. They're so expensive. here's the deal. Say Brian Hartline excels. Okay. He mm-hmm. excels. Yeah. But say uh, Ryan Day's career doesn't turn out how we expect. Who knows how it goes? Long story short, Ryan Day gets fired. You've got Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Say he's doing good. He's having nine, ten win seasons at Wisconsin. And now you've got Brian Hartline, who's been the offensive coordinator at Ohio State and excelled extremely well. Who is the head coach of Ohio State if Ryan Day leaves? It depends on how quickly Ryan day leaves. If it's after this season, it's definitely not Brian Hartline. If it's several years into the future, there's potential. I mean, I don't know if you can see, but there's starting to be a takeover of Ohio state with the successful players from the nineties and two thousands. And they're coming back. I mean, we just got James Laurinaitis that is on staff with us working with linebackers. And he's basically going to be working his way up to eventually going to be, I don't know if a possible defensive coordinator way in the future, but you know, you're starting to see, I think some of that happening between Brian Hartline and him. And there's going to be some others I'm sure along the way that these players almost feel an obligation that if they're in this position and they have the opportunity, 
that they need to turn this program back around to what it used to be. Not that we're not where we, you know, used to be, so to speak, in in the national scheme of college football around around the country. But, you know, we've definitely been falling short of some standards lately. You know what I mean? So I I have a feeling that Brian Hartline very well could be our next head coach if we're talking way in the future. But he is by no means ready within even the next two to three years. So say three years. Just just entertain me a little bit. Humor me. Three years. Yeah. But our offense is the most prolific offense in the country. Yeah, but as what's shown you the last couple of years with Ryan Day, it doesn't matter how good the offense is. If you neglect the defense, then it doesn't matter. Is he I'm willing just to... i hypothetical here. My hypothetical is he's going to learn. I think he's he's learning more than being an OC this year. I think he works very closely with Ryan Day, and I think he sees the ins and outs of everything. And I think he is learning on the fly just as Ryan Day is learning on the fly. And I think that he is getting an advanced degree very quickly. Um, I happen to think that he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. Um, I think that he has gotten a lot of good feedback from Ryan Day, and I think that he has been advised on a lot of things, and he can also take a lot of what he's learned from his playing days. There's only into two this reasons I think that he is the offensive coordinator. And there's one reason why I think that... Well, they uh, don't want to lose him to start. There's number one. Uh, you don't want to lose him recruiting-wise right. and or whatever, and that, that puts him into a, a pay bracket that uh, they can afford to keep him. Yeah. Also, I feel like at this point in Ryan Day's tenure, in his career, he cannot afford to be wrong. I'm not saying that tomorrow or that after the season, Ryan Day is getting fired. I'm not trying to crawl down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying... They told you your defense sucked. You made a move. Was it the right move? We don't know. We're still working on it. We told you your play calling sucked. You made a move. Was it the right call? We don't know. But I'm telling you this much right now. If uh, Brian Hartline fails or if Brian Hartline is is uh, less than average, it's not going to be Brian Hartline that sees the, sees the axe, dude. Right. And at what point do you think if Brian Hartline is failing in some play calls, this year that Ryan day steps back in and takes over almost immediately. You think it's going to be that quick. He's not going to give him an opportunity. No, I mean, he may give him an opportunity. We don't really have a tough game till the fourth game of the season when we play at Notre Dame. So I he's going to be get, getting a three game trial. I mean, obviously we do play Indiana first game of the year, fails. but I think he'll get two major fails. And then I think that Ryan day will at least integrate himself in the play calling. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely has a shorter leash than what he offered the defense last year. Um, Not last year, two years ago, uh, when he eventually had to, you know, kind of remove Kerry Combs. Yeah. Um, Dude, it has to be. But he didn't didn't do that until halfway through the season or even more. But But that's because he's not connected with the defense. Him, the fact that this is his offense still, probably in in his own head. You know, I guarantee that leash is short, that if it does not click, he is going to be in Brian uh, in Brian Hartline's ear saying, listen, call this, call this, call this. Yeah, because he's not freaking Nick Saban. Nick Saban can bring off. I mean, dude, how many freaking offensive coordinators has Nick Saban brought in? And it doesn't matter, dude, because, you know, Nick Saban 
is going to let you do your thing, but he has a, such a watchful eye on the stuff that, you know what I mean? Like Lane Kiffin was there recently. I mean, you know, he had, uh, dude, he's had tons of freaking coaches in there, both offensive and defensive coordinators. That have gone on Steve to Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian, yeah, that went to USC. And um, he's not in that position. Ryan Day is on neutral ground at best himself. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that he can afford to make a huge mistake right now. So I have to believe that Ryan Day has looked at this situation and, and really believes that Brian Hartline is the guy to do this job. I have to believe that. Dude, when you're, it's different when you're wagering, you know, this or that. But when you're wagering your family eating, it's that's a totally different story, dude. You know. Well, listen, these are all these are all good points, and I mean, and another thing, are you no, personally, <laughs> are you personally good with it? Uh, I don't know. Um, do I think that Ryan Day? Um, do I think that Ryan Day has made some bad calls? I do, but I also know that Ryan Day is capable of ke- calling one hell of a game. Absolutely. Um, he might be one. He might. He's probably been one of the best sort of offensive coordinators we've ever had. Yeah, and he's is he stretched too thin right now? That's my that's my question. I, he has to be. Um, do I know that that uh, Brian Hartline's the guy? Do I think? Do I know that they really feel that he's the guy versus them just trying to do something to keep him? I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, we don't know. We really don't. I mean, we're not behind closed doors. We don't have any inside information. This is all assumptions and our own opinions, but. You know, I think that most normal fans, especially ones that pay close enough attention, probably feel very similarly. Like, we're excited about keeping them around, but realistically, is this what's best for the team? You know, know. what's more important? Is it more important for Ryan Day to take a step back, for the offense to take a step back in order to support the entire team, make sure the defense is doing what they're supposed to be doing? Or is it more important that Ryan Day continues to keep our offense elite and we just find a way to get better recruits, better coaching, and sure up the defense. Ryan because Day needs to take things back to the basics. He I just needs have to focus a feeling, on. I just have a bad to, feeling, man. That I mean, the it, offense it, could it, start could taking right. some steps back without Ryan Day, unless it, you know. I and we also don't know how much of this offense is going to be Brian Hartline bringing in uh, his own stuff and running his own format, and how much of this is just going to be an extension of Ryan Day. I mean, it could be, but one of the positives that we should look at is that Ryan Day taking a little less on offensive coordinator-wise might be a little bit more time he could spend on developing the quarterbacks. You know, and, it, and that's potent, that that could be the case too. I mean, I I'm still a person that I like Ryan Day a lot. You know, have I been disappointed the last couple of years with the result with the rivalry game and not making the Big Ten championship game? And ultimately, you know, the result of the CFP, you know, the last couple of times we've been there. I mean, there's been some good, some bad, but yes, I'm I'm disappointed in some of the things. But, you know, our expectations are so high. It's basically national title or bust, you know, and I don't know, dude, I'm, I'm just I'm going to hold reservation and I'm going to wait and see. But I'm still a Ryan Day fan and I still have a lot of faith that he is going to do his best to try to continue to move this program forward so we can be back to elite status. And I hope you're right. But anyway, we've been on it for way too long. Like I said, we'll discuss a little bit more once we get uh, into these episodes, exactly the format and the timing of everything. But uh, we are back. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know, I know that we've been really long winded today. So if you're still listening to us, we appreciate it. But 
Um, this is going to be our first off season. So we're looking forward to, I know we still got some stuff we'd like to wrap up, but man, I mean, we still got what, I don't know, five months before real football starts. So barring, you know, when we cover spring game and fall camp and things like that, we're going to have a lot of opportunities to talk about some fun topics and make it, you know, super argumentative or super fun or whatever. So we may even reach out at one point on our social media pages and ask you guys for some topics that you'd like for us to talk about, because, you know, there's a lot of freedom that can happen uh, in these off months. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, The new format of, you know, being a little more consistent, especially through the off season, our rebranding with our logo. Hopefully you guys kind of like the new thing there. And we're also looking to, after we create our uh, um, face, not Facebook page, our, uh, our webpage and stuff like that, that, you know, we're going to try to maybe start some merchandise and things like that. You know, if, if you like the logo or, or you like some sayings, I mean, who knows where we're going to go with this thing? You know, we, we've, we've agreed that, you know, we'll go to the sky's limit if that's where it takes us, but just be on the lookout for new and exciting stuff. And hopefully uh, you guys enjoy the ride along with us. Davis, tell them where they can find us. Well, God, I hope I can remember where they can find us. I don't even know <laughs> if I remember where they can find us. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, pretty much any major uh, streaming services you can find us. We do have a few things on YouTube, but nothing's really up to date on there. But hopefully, eventually, when we get a web page, we can start putting things on there as well. If you haven't done so already, check us out on Facebook, uh, like our page, and we're also on Twitter. Uh, just reach out to us guys. You know, sometimes, uh, that's the best way to, uh, get information to us and give us some cool ideas for things to, you know, for future episodes. And it's a way that we share a lot of what we're doing. I mean, it's not always just about the episodes. Sometimes we share posts, we see comments, uh, open up polls, things like that. So just if you like what, what you hear and you want to reach out to us in any way, uh, you, those are the kind of the ways you can catch us, but if there's nothing else, Chad, we'll we'll send them on their way. Send them. All right, dude. As always, guys, go Bucks. Oh, H.